I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and you're listening to Reset here on WBEZ. Now, remember Varsity Blues, that 2019 scandal where parents and prospective students cheated to gain admission to some of the top colleges and universities in the country? Well, there's a new college admission scandal, and this time the schools are the alleged wrongdoers. According to a new lawsuit, 16 U.S. colleges and universities colluded to unfairly limit how much financial aid students could receive. Their top schools, and some of them, like the University of Chicago, Northwestern, and Notre Dame, are in our area. Here to walk us through her exclusive reporting is Melissa Korn, higher education reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Reset. Thanks so much for having me. What are the major arguments laid out in the lawsuit? Sure. So the main argument here is that these 16 universities aren't eligible for an antitrust exemption because they are not fully need-blind in admissions. The schools are allowed to collaborate, cooperate on putting together their calculations for financial aid, but only if they are need-blind. And the suit is saying, yeah, they're, they're not need-blind in some cases. They consider donors, they consider uh, family wealth for waitlisted applicants. So they shouldn't get this exemption and be allowed to cooperate with others. And what schools are we talking about? Yeah, so these are some of the most prestigious schools in the country, uh, you know, name recognition for sure. You've got Yale, Georgetown, uh, Columbia, Cornell, Caltech, MIT, and as you said, in your own backyard, Northwestern, U Chicago, and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, the part that uh, surprised me was that these universities had been, and this is according to the lawsuit, working together to determine financial aid packages. I just assumed yeah. every school had their own methodology. And I think that's a, a common assumption, right? That these schools are, they have their own resources, so they're making their own calculations. But going back decades, some of these schools have been working together to uh, make, to kind of limit the variation in awards so that somebody could choose a school based on fit rather than based on price tag. That, uh, according to this lawsuit, means that they're, limiting competition, that it's price fixing, and that these schools shouldn't be allowed to do that. What about you? Were you surprised by anything that you read in the lawsuit? I, <laughs> I've been covering higher ed for a long time, so You've seen it all. surprises me these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think the, the language that these schools use in talking about why they collaborate on these financial aid calculations really interesting you know they they say we're seeking to limit variations we you know we we want to be even across the board and i mean they are not hiding the fact that they work with one another to come up with these calculations these formulas for how to assess someone's income and assets in order to put together an aid package and the fact that they were just they're so open about it i think you know, I, I knew that this existed. I did not know that they were quite so open about it. Uh, and I certainly think that surprises a lot of the public. Well, this was filed late Sunday night here in Illinois. Who are the plaintiffs and, and who's representing them? Yeah, the plaintiffs are five graduates of some of these schools, people who received partial financial aid at the schools. And they're saying, you know, we probably would have been eligible for more had these schools not worked this way. They're being represented by a group of law firms. Uh, a lot of plaintiffs, a lot of defendants, means a lot of lawyers. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, they are being represented by um, a few class action uh, specialists, litigators. We've got Roche Friedman, Gilbert litigators, Berger Montague, and Dagan Scott. And uh, in my mind, one of the interesting things here is one of those attorneys, you mentioned Varsity Blues before, he is a former federal prosecutor who was the lead on the Varsity Blues case. So he has certainly more than a superficial knowledge of Ah, college admissions. Very interesting. And of the plaintiffs, were they all sort of shortchanged in different ways or? Um, Not necessarily. And again, allegedly shortchanged. So we we don't know for sure yet whether they would have actually received more money if the schools had calculated their need differently. But uh, they are people who graduated, you know, a number of years ago up to much more recent graduates. Lawyers say that more than 170,000 students who attended the schools and received partial financial aid over the past 18 years could be eligible to join the lawsuit. So do you expect that the number of plaintiffs is going to jump? I know that a number of people have reached out to me in the last day really? saying, I'm, I think I might be in this situation. I graduated and got, you know, 10 grand from school X. Where do I go from here? Uh, so I know that the uh, plaintiff's attorneys are fielding inquiries from a number of more people, whether they are eligible to join the class. I don't know for sure. How, how would that work? Adding folks to the, you, to the case. Uh, well, so there could be additional named plaintiffs. There could also just be these five representing a class. And then if this were to go to trial or if there were to be damages awarded, then that class would split the funds. What are we hearing from the schools so far? Have any responded? So a lot of the schools say that they don't comment on pending litigation. It's a pretty standard reaction. Uh, you know, because this just came out on Monday night, they were reading through it Monday morning as I was finishing up my story. Oh, wow. Uh, a few said that, um, you know, our, our financial aid policies are fine. So Yale and Caltech said that you know, their, their policies are legal, they are confident in their practices. Brown said the complaint was without merit. And there were a few schools who just didn't respond to requests for comments at all yet. We're speaking with Wall Street Journal higher education reporter Melissa Korn. She broke the story yesterday that 16 top U.S. universities are facing a federal lawsuit for allegedly colluding to limit how much financial aid students received. And that's just part of the story. The suit was filed in Illinois Sunday night, and it targets some local names that you will know. Northwestern, the University of Chicago and Notre Dame. Stay tuned on Reset for a lighter topic, but a very important one. We're going to talk about how to keep your pets safe as the temperatures drop here in the Chicagoland. Uh, This isn't the first time, Melissa, that uh, top colleges and universities have been accused of similar practices. Can you walk us through some more examples from recent years? Yeah, so first we have to go back to slightly less recent. Uh, In the early 1990s, Uh, there was this group of Ivy League schools plus MIT, and they were called the Overlap Group. And they would have representatives get together and talk about specific applicants who they were going to admit. Uh, And if more than one of the schools was going to take them, they would talk through what the aid offer should be. So, again, there wasn't this competition on price. That sparked um, a Department of Justice investigation and charges, 
and that sparked legislation, which is what led us to this uh, current rule that if a school is fully need blind, it can work with others on the aid packages. So that was kind of one of the biggest, one of the main instances in which these top universities were likened to a cartel um, with price fixing and anti-competitive behavior. More recently, the Justice Department uh, threatened legal action if an association of college admissions officers didn't allow more aggressive recruiting, meaning that School A could try to poach somebody even after they committed to School B. Uh, the school Generally, there was kind of an agreement that they wouldn't do that, and now they have to be okay doing it. So we did see some improvement then as a result of these? There is more competition for students, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that depends on the school and the student. But, uh, you know, these schools now can offer more incentives to students who sign up early, get special classes or housing assignments. Uh, And, you know, they can go back to somebody who went to a different school for freshman year and say, hey, are you interested in transferring? Come look at us again. Mm. So the, the competitive landscape has opened up in some ways, but this this shows that it's not all the way there yet. I want to talk about this one line in your piece, Melissa. You write, quote, college admissions practices are being challenged more broadly and pillars of the decades-old admission system are crumbling. Talk to us about that. Yeah, um, I've been covering college and college admissions for about seven plus years now. And even in the last two years, I've seen so many really significant changes. We've had many, many, many colleges go test optional, so they no longer require the SAT or ACT. And that came about because of the pandemic. People couldn't go to take the test. And these are schools that, you know, had always said that these tests were really valuable criteria when they assess their applicants. So all of a sudden, they're not looking at SAT scores anymore. And a lot have said, we're going to continue that test optional policy for the next year or for the next five years or forever and ever. We've also had some schools look at legacy status of applicants. So Amherst uh, just this, this school year said that they wouldn't give an edge to applicants whose parents had gone to the school. That has implications for the racial and socioeconomic makeup of an admitted class. Because who was going to these schools a generation ago? In, uh, more wealthy white individuals than are now. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a college admissions overhaul is underway for sure. Um, but I, I wonder if you think that the changes are going to make college admissions a more equitable process. So I think that's what we're after here. Right. It's all about fairness um, and different Groups will define that differently. We've got the Harvard Affirmative Action case uh, before the Supreme Court right now, and later this week they could decide whether to take the case up and hear it and issue a judgment. And that could have really broad implications for how schools look at race in their admissions processes, uh, which I think would be an even more tectonic shift in the way selective college admissions works. Anything else you think might need to change overall to to make the process more fair, more equitable? 
you know, I think schools have been trying to get to that for a long time, whether it's offering fee waivers for applications, flying low-income students in to visit campus, and uh, if they can afford to do it, more and more are, but not every school can afford to go that far. Yeah, I was going to say, are they revisiting some of those uh, those ideas? Well, campus visits have certainly been limited this past uh, couple of years True. for safety reasons. Well, when it comes to uh, this lawsuit here, what do you expect? Are you expecting a trial or...? Uh, I am expecting this to be something that we'll talk about a few years from now still. Uh, These suits often take a very long time to wind their way through courts. I think if this gets to discovery, we could see some really, really interesting material about the school's financial aid policies and their calculations for need and, you know, what happens at these meetings where the schools discuss these formulas for aid. Uh, If the Harvard case was any indication, you know, the the discovery is an absolutely fascinating part of any case. Yeah. And what might the timeline be for this? Unfortunately, we don't really know these things, as I said, can drag on for a long, long time. So this isn't something that'll be all squared away, you know, in the next weeks or months. We've got, uh, we can dig in for the long haul on this one. What are you going to keep your eye on then as things unfold with this, uh, this lawsuit? Certainly the the discovery, um, right, if the schools are required to share any information about how they make these calculations, I'll be keeping an eye on that. If more plaintiffs join and or if more schools are named as defendants, then those are all really interesting developments. Well, you you mentioned earlier, Melissa, you you said I've been covering higher education for a while. I I wonder what else you're digging into, if you can tease anything. Because I, I know how that works, too. Year. <laughs> I spent much of the past year looking at graduate student and parent plus loans uh, for a series with a number of colleagues. And we're working on a few more pieces on that front. And, you know, continuing to just look at how COVID is affecting college, which is in so many different ways, whether it's admissions, campus, life, academics, all of that. Well, that's Wall Street Journal higher education reporter Melissa Korn. Melissa, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.